Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. Empower yourself today and follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn by searching Get Legally Speaking to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. With over 3 million downloads and counting, do not miss out on learning more about a topic that interests you. Go over to our website at getlegallyspeaking.com and browse over 100 podcast episodes. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. Our episodes are free to access. However, if you feel that you would like to support the children's charity that we are raising money for, then head over to our Just Giving page at justgiving.com and search for Hattie Savari, where we are raising money for orphaned children at SOS Children's Villages, one of the worthiest children's charities. Donate as little as £1 for a great cause. Thank you. Hello and welcome to our podcast at Get Legally Speaking. Our legal conversation today will be on juries and jury trials. I am joined by senior barrister and part-time judge Kate Bex QC from Red Lion Chambers in London. Kate is described as a backbone of steel and she is cited in both the Legal 500 and Chambers UK. She is a senior and a very highly regarded criminal barrister who both defends and prosecutes. Kate specialises in crime as well as murder, sexual offences, firearm offences and large-scale organised crime. Thank you very much for joining me, Kate. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure. And um, I will repeat what I said just earlier because I do think that it's quite key. When when we sort of discussed the idea of doing a podcast on juries and jury trials, I thought, well, is that is that really that important? And then... After a, t- a telephone call with yourself, and you made me aware of some really key points, very quickly, I have to say, as to why it is so important, um, I, I, ca- I kind of thought, oh my God, I really didn't think about it like that. Um, and I really didn't consider those points of why jury trials are so important. So let's talk about that a little bit for our listeners. I mean, on the 19th of June, and the reason why we're talking about this, because um, it has been said, um, and I'm going to point out a particular uh, a date on the 19th of June 2020, the Lord Chancellor and Justice Secretary Robert Buckland QC indicated that legislation to allow trial without a jury could be passed within weeks. And he, and he said this suggestion had clear merit. Um, and I think that that was sort of probably at the beginning, if not just before, when the whispers were probably going around the legal sector of an uproar of some kind. Um, Can we start, please, by talking about what is a juror and what does it mean to be 
called and to sit as a juror in a trial, Kate? So in England, in a, in a criminal trial in England, you have 12 jurors. That, that's the, the standard that you start with. 12 jurors who are ordinary members of the public, could be absolutely anybody who's on the electoral roll and has no criminal convictions. So you'd get a letter through the post calling you to go to a Crown Court to do jury service for normally a two-week period. Uh, and when you're there, you will be one of the 12 people who is deciding whether the prosecution has proved its case. You will be one of those 12 people returning a verdict of either guilty or not guilty. So it's a really important public service. And it's the jury who get to decide whether the prosecution have proved its case against somebody. I have to say, when I think about juries and jury trials, I don't know why, but I do think about the American films more and the sort of the lawyer pacing up and down and the jury's all sitting in the dock, you know, well, not in, they're not in the dock, and the defendant's in the dock, but in the, in the gallery. I think that's what it's called. Um, in the jury box. In the jury box. Thank you. Um, and, and, you know, it, it does feel very dramatic and important to be a juror. And absolutely, because you are, uh, deciding with 11 other people, as it were, somebody's fate. Um, absolutely. You know, it, absolutely. It, it really is important. And, and many judges will will try to strike that balance between making juries feel comfortable in court. So they're not terrified because obviously it's a strange environment for most people, but also to really instill in them how important a function it is that they're performing so that they take it really seriously. And, and most jurors do. It gets pretty serious pretty quickly, I have to say, when you walk into a courtroom and the, just the, the ambience and the setting of a courtroom, I think, is quite a quite a serious place, as it should be. Um, absolutely, exactly. you know. Yeah. So let's let's just talk a little bit about when the first jury trial took place. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. And how many jurors was that? Can we just quickly have a chat about so, that? So, so probably way back to the Magna Carta, but for those of us that remember our our um, school history lessons all that time ago. Um, and as best people can tell, po possibly the first jury trial in about, well, the late um, 17th century, um, probably just of, of two people then. So so not the t system of, of jury trial that we have at the moment, but it's been around for a very long time. Um, but the, the mere fact that it's been around for a long time doesn't mean that it is the best system that there is. But that's what I think we're going to talk about a little more this morning is it's not just the fact that it's been around for a long time. It's not just that we are hanging on to a bit of history. That's not the reason. The reasons for keeping jury trial go much deeper and are much more important than simply the fact that it's been around for a long, for a long time. But I think the fact that it has been around for a long time tends to be an indicator of success because nobody has tried to seriously meddle with it for a very long time. And I think there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is because it is the least worst system. It's the best. I like that. The least worst. Um, yeah. <laughs> that works. I mean, yes. I mean, there's a plaque on the wall, isn't there? At the In, in the original part of the old Bailey Um where um, it actually talks about, well, it says that two men were charged unlawfully and were found not guilty by jury at the Old Bailey. 
Um, and there's a story there that goes along with that. But I mean, I think that's got to absolutely be right. Just because something is really, really old and it's it's a tradition. It's not actually a tradition. It's a process, isn't it? That's continued for so many years. It doesn't mean that that's out of date and therefore no good for today, because the people sitting in the in, in the in the jury um box and jury area are people of today they're not people of hundreds of years ago absolutely you know and it it, it, the story that that you referred to um was is noteworthy because that was one of the first examples of the jury saying no we're not going to do what the judge is 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 indicating that we should do you know that's his opinion we're the jury it's our decision uh and we we want to find these two people not guilty and so the judge locked them up Without, with sort of bread and water. For, Looked like, the jury up. The days. Yeah, <laughs> up. Until they would give way and they didn't. And in fact, the, the, the irony, I think, for a lot of legal practitioners is that it was the then Lord Chief Justice who overturned that and said, no, you can't do that. The jury make the, make the decision. Um, and so for the current Lord Chancellor and Justice Secretary to be contemplating, even as a temporary measure, um, allowing a um, jury trial to be suspended and replaced with with something else is you know the irony is not lost on on us. Yes, no, I, I'm sure, absolutely. Um, and 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 as you say, it's um, goodness. I mean, I, my my mind is going into a million different directions. When I were growing up, I have to say, I always thought that um, being a jury, you had to be a special type of person to be called to to be a part of a jury. Um, and, you know, there was lots of things attached to turning up to court and being the person that was going to be selected to sit there. But let's talk about what kind of trials in the UK have juries. And and let's now talk about why are trials by juries so important, do you think, Kate? So all of the serious offences have trial by juries. So rape, sexual assault, murder, um, arson, all sorts of of important criminal offences, and quite a lot of less serious offences also have um, what's called the, the right to elect a trial by jury. So the most serious go straight to the Crown Court anyway and will always be tried by jury. And that's some where a jury would sit, in a Crown Court. It, it, exactly. Yes. And some of them, they start off in the magistrate's court, but they can be sent to the Crown Court because they're deemed to be sufficiently serious or because the person who's charged with the crime has a right to elect trial by jury uh, and so will elect to be tried by jury rather than stay in magistrate's court and be tried by magistrates. So an awful lot of offences, this applies to an awful lot of offences and it applies to the most important offences and it applies to some less important offences in terms of perhaps seriousness in the criminal calendar but really important to the person charged. So, for example, an offence of dishonesty, it might be a really small amount. But if you're accused, convicted and sentenced for an offence of dishonesty, that will be career ending for an awful lot of people. Uh, And so that um, may carry a a right to be tried by a jury because the consequences of it are so important for the person charged. So it's not just the high profile stuff. It's also some stuff that will be really important to the people that are charged because yes. of the consequences of it. No, indeed. Um, and also in June 2020, the Guardian um, paper reported that a defendant is clearly disadvantaged by the process of the removal of, of a jury. Um, 
you know, and I think that we can, you know, there's as well as the reasons that you have uh, outlined uh, that there's various other reasons as well why you think, well, hold on a moment, because a jury, the jury are made up of the public of everyday Joe blogs um, and they're there to collectively vote and decide amongst themselves um, whether somebody is guilty or not guilty of the uh, tr- you know for this for the um, activity that they're being tried for, um, and if you remove that and you have a judge who is not the everyday Joe Bloggs and the decision maker on somebody's fate, is that I don't want to use the words fair trial, but is it correct for it to be done that way? There must be a reason why jury trials um, work, so to speak. And and this is where it gets quite tricky because research into juries, uh, their decision-making process, is all very restricted by law. So you can't just turn up and, and quiz a load of jury juror members after they've been involved in a trial and ask them what went on and, and why they decided as they did. But Professor Cheryl Thomas, QC, um, for the Lamy Review in 2017, she... Uh, reported after a, almost a decade of, of research that had Goodness. been sanctioned uh, by um, by the government. Uh, and so there is some really good, uh, credible evidence as to uh, discrimination in the criminal justice system. And her findings were that, um, as we all know, uh, more Black and minority ethnic people may be arrested by the police. They may be uh, disproportionately represented in those who are arrested and charged and prosecuted, but they are not disproportionately represented in those convicted by a jury. So even if everything else is unequal, until you get to a jury trial, your prospects are no worse if you're black or if you're white in front of a jury. So it's that jury trial is shown by that research to be the one part of the criminal justice system where black and Asian minority ethnic are not discriminated against. And so that is incredibly important. You know, that instead of doing away with the one part of the criminal justice system where the evidence and the research shows that they're not discriminated against, we ought to be trying to bring everything else up to that standard. Yes, no, indeed. And that, that was actually going to be our next point of discussion. So thank you for bringing that in because black, Asian and minority and ethnic groups and the Lamy Review. I mean, I've read in more than one uh, report and actually article that, um, people of black, Asian, uh, minority ethnic groups do get an equal fair trial with a jury trial as opposed to without a jury trial and these are statistics and these are reports written across the board aren't they and 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 you know thank you for outlining the parts of the Lamy review um that professor cheryl thomas qc put together because i think that you know this is why it doesn't make sense to me i have to say that 10 years commissioned to do a report for this reason the report says keep the jury ultimately um, and then in June 2020, because of possibly the pressures of the backlog of the criminal cases due to the pandemic, the government is saying, well, you know, we can we can get rid of it in weeks, possibly. So let's talk about that and, and the government's suggestion um, to do well, that, trials. That, that raises a really important point, because it's crucial that everyone understands that the backlog has not been created by the pandemic. 
the back was there. You've the said backlog. it, Kate. You've outlined it. There you go. The backlog was there before the pandemic. The backlog represents a decade of cuts by the government to the criminal justice system. That's what created the backlog of 30,000 cases. In fact, the increase between March, when lockdown happened, and June, when the last uh, round of stats were collated that, that I read, is tiny. Yes, about I have a, to say... a thousand extra cases. So uh, it's a tiny, tiny increase as a result of well, the pandemic. Well, I have to say that, yes, I think that there's always been the backlog for as, as long as I been aware in any event yeah. and yeah. one of the things that I have to, I think we have to commend our courts for is that the backlog did not double and triple between the time of March 23rd which is the lockdown when the lockdown happened and June when it was all sort of reported because that would have been the most scariest thing ever if those numbers of 30 to 40,000 had doubled or quadrupled particularly for the criminal justice system because people are waiting to be tried cases are waiting to be heard you know Justice is waiting to be brought. People are waiting to be cleared of um, allegations and and, and um, cases that have been brought against them. But do, why do you think then the government in June this year has turned around and said, well, do you know what? I think we can do away with it. What's your view on that? So in 2014, the backlog was actually greater than it is now. And no one suggested then that we should do it. We should we should solve the problem of the backlog by doing away with with juries because they know it simply wouldn't have washed. It's all about money. This government, I'm afraid, in my view, has seen an opportunity to save yet more money in the criminal justice system by blaming the pandemic for a backlog which is not in fact attributable attributable to the pandemic. And saying, look, there's been this global emergency that is beyond our control. It's not our fault. We obviously have to do something about it. And the only way to deal with it, because the impossibility of physical distancing and, and, and the, the, the disease is so contagious, that we have to limit the numbers in court. And the best way of doing that is by taking away the jury of 12 and reducing it to a judge who's already there anyway and two other two other. Um, Magistrate. And just to be clear, that's what they're suggesting. They're say, the government is saying if we do get away, if we do do away with jury trials, we'll replace it with a judge and two magistrates. That is uh, the suggestion that has been most widely reported. So a legally qualified judge and two non-lawyer magistrates. So lots of magistrates that already sit in, as, as judges in the magistrates court are not legally qualified. So you have a lay, what's called a lay bench. So if you're a lay, L-A-Y, you're non-legally qualified. So sometimes there'll be a legally qualified magistrate sitting on his or her own. Sometimes there'll be a lay bench of two or three non-legally qualified magistrates. So we're talking about a legally qualified judge and two non-legally qualified magistrates. I think I'm, I, I sort of know what your answer is going to be to the next question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I mean, do you think that a judge and two magistrates can replace and replicate what a jury can do and what a jury does? Uh, I, I don't think they can with sufficient sureness uh, across a wide enough range of cases. And I say that um, because of the evidence, because of the evidence of Professor Thomas and because of other evidence of outcomes. Uh, and I think it's also, it, it's not just whether statistically 
they show that they can and the stats don't support that they can. But even if the stats did, there's a really important principle uh, and perception here that, um, for example, um, in 2011, 13% of the population identified themselves as black, Asian or minority ethnic and figures probably about 17% now. But of those who answered the question about ethnicity, and of course, you have to accept that not everybody did, but of those that did in the July 2019 survey, only 4% of circuit judges identified as BAME. So there is, despite really strong efforts, and, and there are really strong efforts to increase diversity at the bar and in the judiciary. Yes. Despite that, you know, that takes, it takes years to, to, um, to achieve that sort of um, diversity. It doesn't happen overnight. certainly doesn't happen in time for people to be tried this year, next year. So at the moment, unfortunately, the diversity amongst judges and magistrates does not reflect the general population. Um, uh, and, and that's so, a key point, isn't it? That's a really, really key point that you've just mentioned there in terms of the judge not representing the general population and the di- well, I mean, we've done diversity podcasts with Amanda Pinto QC, the chair of the Bar Council. We've done diversity with the head uh, um, director and general, uh, Mr. Mark Neal from the Bar Standards Board. And, and I think that's a really key point. Does the judge have to represent the community in order to get it, in order to understand the person being tried and the case and, and perhaps the background to it. I mean, or is it perhaps that the judge is actually a very astute because they see these, and you're a part-time judge yourself, you know, you, you're wise to the situations, the types of cases that come in, you're wise to reasons behind them and, and the thought processes. And there's lots that go behind why somebody ends up in court being tried of a crime. Um, so are we not crediting our existing judges enough by saying, well, they won't get it because they're not, you know, they're not representing society in the makeup of the, the way society is, or really is it just down to the fact that judges just will never get it? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Uh, ab- absolutely. And I think that's a, a really good point. And some will, perhaps some won't. Perhaps some will think they will, but they aren't really. I'm a white middle-class female who sits as a part-time judge, and I like to think I have good insight into the social and economic issues in, in our country. But really, do I really know what it's like to be a young black male teenager growing up on an estate with a serious gang problem and the pressures that, that bring to bear about that really? Um, we also need to be aware of subconscious bias, you know, bias that we're not even aware of. But we need to be aware of how it appears to those who are involved in the criminal justice system. Um, is it good enough to simply say, well, don't worry about the fact that I don't look like you or sound like you or have your sort of background? Don't worry, I've read enough about it and I've, I've been in the job long enough that, that I can take all of that into account. Is that is that really good enough? And apart from the ethnicity issues and diversity, diversity also includes, for example, the fact that only 1% of magistrates are under 30, although the the age limit is 18. So it's not just diversity in all sorts of different ways. uh, um, It'll be interesting to see an 18-year-old magistrate. That that would be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily advocating for an 18-year-old magistrate. (laughs) 
um, but there's an awful lot of difference between 18 and 30. I think everybody, you know, although numerically it might not be that great, there's a wealth of growing up and life experience and maturity that comes in in one's mid to, to late twenties. Yes. Um, so, so you know, there's a there's a lot of clear water. To, to, to have only one percent under thirty, I think, is a, again, it's a diversity that needs to, to change. And then we, I, I guess you know, some may say, well, it could be the other way round. You could have a um, a, a judge from an ethnic minority background sitting there, and then you could have what you explained, a white middle class person sitting being tried. Are they going to get it that way round? So but that's the, the beauty of a jury of 12. Yes. Although although we don't have jury selection, as they do in, in some other countries, uh, so you're not guaranteed as, as a white female you're not guaranteed to be tried but you know by at least half the jury being white female or if you're a, a young black teenager you're not uh, entitled to demand that at least six of the jury are reflective of, of you there is a very good chance because you are tried in the area local to where the alleged offense was committed so there is a very good chance of a pretty diverse jury um, and even if they don't reflect exactly your age or your skin colour or your sex, they are likely to live in um, at least some of them a similar community to you. Uh, and so rather than it just being a judge or a judge and two lay magistrates, uh, you have a much better chance of, even if the person doesn't look and sound like you, being able to say, well, hang on a minute, my neighbour has had this experience. My neighbour has told me about what that's like. And to bring that into the discussion, which, of course, is the essence of the jury system, it's the 12 of them then back in their room, as we all think of, of that great movie, 12 Angry Men, back in their room, discussing the issues and talking about it and exchanging their life experience. And, and I have to, to say... arrive at a decision. That has to be right. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm i not a legally qualified, highly legally qualified or legally qualified person to sit here and say, oh, I think the legal system should have this process and this is why and how. But common sense tells me it has to be right that jury trials do carry a lot of weight in being correct and a lot of weight in really giving the best shot at the justice that somebody can have when they're being judged by people who, you know, are from, as you mentioned, from the area from where the crime has been committed, um, perhaps being able to relate to that person. And being 12 of them, the majority have to sort of rule in the, in the same on the same point in order for, you know, for that person to be tried or not tried. I think you've got the best chance of access to justice during that way. And I'm, you know, I can't think of any anything else that can replace that, that comes from the legal system, be it a legal body, even regardless of whether it's, you know, an ethnic minority person sitting as a judge, even regardless of that, because, you know, you, if you're, if you've got 12 people who are not legally trained judging you as independent people from 
where you know the area of where the, the crime took place so they're familiar with that area they know roughly what goes on they live and breathe in that area rather than um legally trained individuals who may not be from that area um who may not have an understanding exactly how the other jury would do individually 12 brains there ticking away um it's got to be right that jury trials are on the money kate i think i think there are t- two things just to to throw into that mix as well, which is that um, it, it's also about the numbers, you know, 12, as, as you've rightly stressed, it's 12 rather than three, the judge, judge and two. So simply by virtue of the fact that you've got more people, you're bringing more opinions, life experiences, um, uh, value into that. So we, we wouldn't support trial by jury by three jurors, you know, that, that there is... Um, there is also discussion about whether another solution is to retain trial by jury for all the existing offences that it applies to, but to reduce the number of juries, which is what they did during wartime. Right. And that would that would be a more preferable approach to doing away with. But I, I just trials. don't think three is enough. Exactly. I just but don't three think is, three is a pretty small number, isn't it? Because you could get, well, um, quite frankly, if you get two strong characters and one person who could be. I hate to say it, but swayed by one or the other, and they're being pulled pillar to post. If the two stronger characters, they're trying to make the decision. Um, they're trying to get this one person who's perhaps not as strong as the other, either or, and they get persuaded to go one way. Whereas, surely there has to be. I mean, the numbers have to sort of be. I would say, well, who am I to say? But common sense tells me seven, perhaps, at least. I'm, I'm- and, and that's about where where they were during during wartime with, with trial by juries. Just also to, to mention um, that you can be legally qualified and serve as a juror. So because the, if you get called, bar, you're called, right? Uh, so there used to be uh, you used to be excluded. So I would have been excluded from jury service. You would have been excluded from jury service. Police officers were, judges were, but I have done a trial where I was prosecuting and one of the jurors was a, a judge who I didn't obviously didn't know personally otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do the trial but <laughs> he was the resident judge at a large court center uh you can have police officers providing they're not involved obviously in the case or, or don't have any um wow. conflict and when and did do we know when that changed Kate Oh, I can't remember exactly. Quite some time ago, where they sort of running out of the public people and said, right, everybody's up for grabs now. (laughs) It was a few years ago, probably off the top of my head. It's probably because time flies so fast these days, doesn't it? It's probably almost 10 years ago, I think. Yeah. Well, that's Um, that's interesting. uh, I'm not sure if it was because they were running out of people or just increasing the diversity. Yeah. Um, Thinking that it was no longer at the blanket ban. You know, we, we ought to be able to... Um, to, to stay true to our oath as jurors. So, so when you're um, when you're sworn in as a jury, you take an oath or affirmation to try the case on the evidence and return a verdict that is true to the evidence. And I think it was a recognition that just because you may be legally qualified and work in the system, um, that doesn't prevent you from from being able to follow that jury oath or affirmation. No, Kate, it's been a fantastic podcast. Um, that's all we've got time for today. But thank you ever so much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure, Hattie. Thank you very much. Um, and I would love to do a part two as this unfolds, because I do think there's still so much to talk about. Um, and one of the questions that I did want to cover, but we didn't have time for is, you know, 
can the system be improved? What would be the suggestions around that? And also for us to discuss what does come into play, um, whether it's, I mean, I know that, that, that the Lord Chancellor announced sort of within weeks in June, but I don't think anything is happening has happened obviously yeah. within weeks, but uh, within the next yeah. few months, I think stuff is going to, you know, decisions are going to start coming yeah. up. And I would love the opportunity to discuss that yeah. again with you if you would join Great. us again. Absolutely. Yes, it'd be a pleasure. Fabulous. And what I will say to our listeners is don't forget to click and subscribe to our podcasts. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube by searching Get Legally Speaking. Also visit our website, getlegallyspeaking.com. Thank you for listening. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. Our episodes are free to access. However, if you feel that you would like to support the children's charity that we are raising money for, then head over to our Just Giving page at justgiving.com and search for Hattie Savari, where we are raising money for orphaned children at SOS Children's Villages, one of the worthiest children's charities. Donate as little as one pound for a great cause. Thank you. Empower yourself today and follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn by searching Get Legally Speaking to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. With over 3 million downloads and counting, do not miss out on learning more about a topic that interests you. Go over to our website at getlegallyspeaking.com and browse over 100 podcast episodes. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com.